We are coming to you live. This is the All That Jazz Podcast on a Saturday. We have some news for you. Zach has retired from the podcast game. He has a child. He has a job. He, he really has a life. That's why he's no longer, I guess, participating. So, it's sad. We are missing him, and we hope and wish him the best. His replacement is someone very special. Let's have him introduce himself. Hello, one and all. I am Spencer Jones. I am an avid jazz fan. Mm-hmm. And grateful to be here. Excited. Yes. So, where have we been the last... How long has it been? Four months? Yeah. Let's just, let's just start it right here. COVID-19 has thrown everyone a curveball. We have no idea, I had no idea particularly, where to go with the podcast. So I asked Spencer to join. Zach is working a full-time job and going to school and having a family. I I think... uh, um, We can cut him a break. We can give him a break. Yeah. We're kind of losers the way we love the jazz this much. So, as it stands, it is November 21st. We are five days out from Thanksgiving. The season starts in about a month, and we sign, we, we are one day after free agency, but most of the big moves are already done. And we are back. We're going to come back weekly, maybe bi-weekly, depending on how often... We are willing to do this, but we are we we're, we're weekly again. We apologize to our ten listeners, <laughs> um, but we we really want the best, and really the reason why we started this podcast to begin with is that we really didn't like any jazz podcasts, or personally, I didn't like any of them to listen to, or just wanted more. It's always good to hear different different things, and it's a fun thing to do. It's a fun thing to talk about. A passion in your life. So, before we get started, let me remind you, we are on Twitter at jazz underscore pod. You can email us at bestutahjazzpodcastorpod at gmail.com if you want to communicate with us. Um, Let's get started. All right. Yesterday, we... Well, actually, where do we start? Should we start with the draft or free agency? What no, do you let's think? start with the draft. Start with the draft. <sighs> All right. With Doke. Yudoka Azebuki. With the 27th pick, what do you like about him? Um, well, contrary to belief, I actually enjoy this pick. Initially, I really struggled with the idea of getting another center, but... Having watched a lot more film on him and reading more about him, um, I think the idea is that he fits the mold of what we want in the center. He's athletic. He's actually built bigger than Rudy Gobert. He's a lot thicker. He uh, has better hands. Freak athlete. Freak athlete. Has a 41-inch vertical, 37-inch standing vert. Um, And... You can tell that he's just a little more coordinated. I like I like I like this pickup because in a pinch, I mean, not knowing that we got Derek Favors, the idea of having him as a backup wasn't super, super scary. 
um, I think he allows you to be able to play the same type of defense, which is why I think they had him in mind. But I, I like it a lot. Okay. So what was your instant reaction? This is your reaction, you know, three, two days after? Yeah, removed from the... I was furious. Furious. I was All bad. Right. So was I. Very frustrated. Um, let's just start out why. I was, I'll tell why. I'll say why I was frustrated to begin with. And it was basically the fact of a center. It, we are living in a... It's just easy to replace a center in today's game. Uh, centers aren't very valuable to the average NBA team, but I don't think we're the average NBA team. We really value the center position. The question to me about Yudoka as a Buki, and I've looked into him a little bit more since the draft, uh, since we drafted him, and I wonder, I really wonder how he develops on our team with our development staff because the traits... And the skill, the traits, the physical traits, and the the skill, he's grown a lot from when he started. But I wonder where he goes from here. As we know, Rudy Gobert was the twenty, also the twenty seventh pick, and and there's some comparisons. You know, both poor drafts. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I wonder if we have. A long-term play with him in mind or is this just tony bradley where we trade him four years from now what do you think yeah i mean i think he's a lot farther along than tony bradley was mm-hmm. um i would say his floor is his floor currently um is at a good spot i think for even being a uh, a backup right now um hindsight i'm grateful that he's our third guy I really like him as a third guy. But uh, I don't know. With with where he's at, I could not tell you a ceiling. I, I don't see a ceiling as high as Rudy Gobert or close to that, but I think he can be a solid backup center. Well, let's start with the traits he has. 7'7 seven, seven wingspan, 44-inch vertical. Is that real? 41. 41. And then 37 standing. He's also like 2-something, two 260. Yeah, he's listed they, there. They, he's listed. He was listed in college at around two seventy. They said that he's lost a lot of weight. Um, realistically, they'll probably play him around two fifty, two fifty five. If he can get there, that would be ideal. Um, just a lot of guys that play heavy, they don't have long careers because they're prone to injury, especially at that size. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like he's worked hard on his body. I'm sure that. Um, He'll he'll be in a pretty good spot. So that's really the that. key with him is how well he keeps himself in shape. You think, right? Yeah, because one of his struggles in college was that, uh, well, he was at his best when he was conditioning and when he was well conditioned. Yeah. Yes. So the Jazz also made it two draft night trades. We traded away Tony Bradley in the thirty eighth pick to the Pistons, and I we still haven't. Found out. We what, don't know the draft, we don't know the cash considerations. Is it? It's cash considerations. Yeah, cash considerations. Um, that cleared up some cap space, and we got rid of the thirty eighth pick, which we had traded down um, to get the twenty seventh pick, and then we traded for the thirty ninth pick to get Elijah Hughes. Yeah. What do you think about that? Um, 
Well, I think the act in and of itself shows the the fascination from the Jazz. I mean, they paid $3.5 million to get that draft pick. Um, and that's nowhere near where second-round players are usually paid in general. So um, that tells me that the Jazz really like what they see um, and what they saw. Elijah Hughes in his, in his workouts, I'm not sure if he had a workout with the Jazz, but... Um, I I think I'm excited. I will. I'm more intrigued. He he's a three level scorer, shoots the ball really well. Um, is definitely an offensive player. He went to Syracuse. So um, with that in mind, it is always the question whether or not people out of Syracuse can play man to man defense because they play a two three zone there. Um, my the biggest intrigue for me with him is um, how well he's going to play off ball. Um, they did not have a good team at Syracuse this past year, and he was, I think, one of four players that that uh, had more than, I think it was like 100 isolation plays. Like, he was constantly trying to create and having to create for himself. Um, so I'm really intrigued. I could see him playing off ball. But I'm not sure how much time he'll actually get this year. So you said an interesting thing. We paid $3.5 million for this pick. Yeah. For this guy. Um, it's fair to point out, we forgot to mention, the Jazz changed ownership. We sold, Gail Miller sold it to the Qualtrics guy. I don't remember his Ryan name. Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith. Yep. I think I'm just going to call him the Qualtrics guy from now on. Anyways. Just call him Rye. Rye. <laughs> Anyways, we have seen uh, from Ryan Smith a commitment to paying to money yeah. that we have not previously really seen under our old ownership. Um, we do know he's a lot more wealthy. He's wealthier than the Millers were, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And it seems like he really wants to compete with this group. Now, the question I have... Uh, really about what we're doing in particular is where actually sorry what we're doing with the elijah hughes pick is where does he fit in among the fringe roster guys or the g the guys who played in the g league yeah. last year like ray john tucker Aoni, jerrell brantley justin wright foreman who i believe probably will not be on the team next year yeah, um, i don't think so so essentially Let's let's just say these three wings slash two guards, Mieoni, Ray John Tucker, Elijah Hughes, rank them. Tell me what you think about those three. Well, I mean, from what I've heard, it sounds like the Jazz are very intrigued with the growth of Mieoni, which is potentially a reason why they just decided and felt comfortable with giving the full MLE, the mid-level exception, to Derek Favors. Um with the growth of Mayoni in mind. Um, so I would rank him first. I like his athleticism. He's seemed like he's improved his shot. And he's obviously a great defender. Perimeter defender that. Um, I think he's a little less versatile than Royce. In the sense that I think Royce plays. Yeah, Royce plays, is bigger. Plays better. He's bulkier. In, 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 interior defense. But I think Mayoni arguably has better perimeter defense. Um, so I would, I would grade him. The tough thing between Hughes and Tucker is I think that 
if they were to decide between the two, they would go with Hughes. Really? Um, he just is way more skilled. I think what's hard with Tucker is he's just such a freak athlete. Um, the Jazz were banking on their um, their development staff, and that doesn't mean that he won't be on the team. But I am intrigued to see what they do with Rajon Tucker because um, hindsight, I think, I mean, I think it's hard to have all three of those guys. Yeah, you're right. So we just started out the first 12 minutes of this podcast talking about the draft and these kind of fringe second round picks. Just so you know, this is a very in-depth we kind of like to get in the weeds. So if you're a fan and you like getting in the weeds of really kind of pointless jazz subjects like what's uh, Mieoni's extension going to be or what what do you think Jarrell Brantley Um so you're now in the right place. Yeah, you're you've right. you found the right place. Kind of the big things now now that we're in free agency. So uh, was it the day before free agency or two days before free agency? Um, after we traded Tony Bradley after draft night, we traded Ed Davis and two second round picks to the Knicks. Cleared up cap space to get that full non-taxpayer mid-level exception, and we used that mid-level exception to sign Derek Favors. We brought him back, and I think uh, if you listen to this podcast last year. We really, I personally, me, Ben, tried to be very optimistic about the backup center position. I changed, I last year I changed my mind on Tony Bradley. I thought he was an NBA player. I still believe that, um, that he can play in the NBA, but I do not believe that the Jazz were happy with the way he developed over four years. And something happened when we got rid of favors and about really about the backup center minutes and tony jones was talking about it all off season that that was there was it was that between clarkson and the backup center minutes which which was bigger was it clarkson or clarkson was the top priority but all of our moves for the most part so i mean it was pretty i think self-evident that we were going to do everything in our power to resign clarkson because that money would have just gone by the wayside but um, it was, Tony talked about it, but lots, it, it was quite obvious that the Jazz's main focus was to be able to shore up that 15 minutes of non-Rudy Gobert time on defense because it was obvious that we really would get torn to shreds. Yeah, it's, it's you might be wondering, so right now the Jazz are investing $34 million if you combine Rudy and uh, Derek Favors' salary, we're, that's about the combined investment into the center position that we have right now, right? $34 million? Yeah. Is Rudy getting paid 25 or 27 He's getting paid something like that. But the re- why do we think that we invest so much in the center position? Why are we investing? It's the question of the day, question of the week, with the way things went with the draft and free agency. Um... You want to go first? You go. All right, I'll answer my own question. Uh, well, it's very clear, based just based off how Ed Davis did, that we ask a lot from each individual player on offense to do a lot more than maybe they're comfortable with. 
like moving the ball, passing, pick and roll. And the big man particularly has the ball in his hands and he has to make reads and he has to pass the ball out of, you know, he has to roll the basket. And I think we saw it with Ed Davis last year that he and maybe a lot of other centers around the league probably weren't comfortable enough to be able to handle that kind of pressure of having the ball in their hands like that on offense. Rudy can handle it. Tony Bradley, I think, can handle it on offense, but he cannot handle the defensive side of the ball. And I think they decided that we need someone who can do that on offense and someone who can do that on defense. And it was clear that Derek Favors, or that really that Pelicans team, was kind of a disaster last year. They did not work well together. The There's just a lot of pieces. There's well, a lot of pieces. It's fair to point out that the NBA literally scheduled five extra games so they could get the Pelicans into the playoffs, and the Pelicans couldn't even get in the playoffs because they there were some clear chemistry issues. New Orleans fans hated Favors. Uh, we love him. Uh, most Jazz fans do. And are we surprised that really he he kind of settled for the MLE with us to play backup center, essentially. I'm not. I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he obviously knew and knows what his role is going to be this time around, or else I don't think he would have signed. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Jazz and Favors, they're kind of like this married couple, where it's like they split up for a year... They thought their life would be better without the other. And it turns out the grass isn't always greener for both of them. Uh, I really think this helps us a lot. I, I, I think one of the issues last year, particularly with the second unit that we didn't talk that we haven't mentioned yet, and I haven't really seen talked about a lot, was Joe Ingles' reliance on the pick and roll and having a guy who can roll roll to the basket, and it helps create space for Ingles. I think we're going to see, because uh, if you remember the beginning of last year, Joe Ingles was not himself with Ed Davis at, at backup center, and that was pretty clearly because the, he wasn't a, a rim-rolling threat. So I think it's going to help our second unit on offense and defense, but defense in particular, I think this is a huge signing. Yeah. Yeah, I think that'll bring bring Joe back more into the mold. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing um, that can be overlooked is this allows you to play 48 minutes of the same type of defense, right? Like Derek Favors can you can play the drop and send guys. I mean, what we're able to do with Rudy Gobert on the floor is we're able to be um, more aggressive on the wings knowing that Rudy's back there, and with Tony Bradley on the floor, you just are not able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and as defender, if you kind of have to play, not necessarily systems, but you have to play defense a little differently for certain minutes, it can be um, difficult at times. There can be little lapses in in defensive schemes, and so being able to run the same exact defensive strategy that you're wanting to play for 48 minutes um, that in and of itself, I think, will shore up a lot of issues. Um, obviously, wanting a wing, a three and D wing, was very looked very attractive. It's but, attractive for everyone. Yeah, everyone wants a three and D wing. But I think the more I think I've thought about it, having Derek Favors 
in that Rudy Gobert role also, I think, will improve the defense in and of itself, wing wing players and all. Um, it'll make it look a lot better. And so I'm, I mean, if we get another wing, awesome. If not, I think I'm going to be okay. So let's talk about that 3 and D wing thing. That is the rage in the NBA right now, obviously. It's not really for the Jazz, and it's. I think it's part of one of the reasons we play a little bit more unique. We kind of ask, like, we can't be like the Rockets and just tell our wings to just stand in the corner and do nothing until they get an open three. Uh, we ask a little bit more out of them. So, like, say, for example, we offered three for 27 to Derek Jones Jr., who signed with the Trailblazers. I like that for them, by the way. Yes, yes. But I think the question we need to ask ourselves, or the Jazz definitely ask themselves, and by the way, they've had a very long time to think about this, which I think is has kind of made things really weird. Like, they've had... How long has it been? They've had all the time in the world to think about this offseason. Yeah, it's and been almost... It's probably close to eight months. Eight months. And they decided that... They would rather just have develop wings on their own and have them come to the rotation and then eventually pay them. You know, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal, too, yeah. for example. Uh, they believe Mione can be there. I think he has a good shot. Hopefully he takes another step. Um, but that leads to the question, like... We're investing so much into a into a position that modern NBA teams really don't value very much, and the question is: Is that an advantage for us or a disadvantage? Like, when is it going to become disadvantageous for us to have Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert playing all the minutes we have? Well, I mean, I think you saw that two years ago, and that's why we had to get rid of Derek Favors. Um, is that wasn't working. But I also think that one of the things that's really overlooked on that team that they say Rudy got played off, which, you know, I would, I don't know if I agree with. But we also had Ricky Rubio, and Ricky Rubio was not a a floor-spacing point guard. He was a playmaker. Um, So, I mean, if we were to throw out, not that we will, um, I'm sure at, at, at times we might, but... Mike Conley is a huge difference maker. Having, if you were to have those two on the floor, um, in Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, with Boyan, Donovan, and Mike, who can all shoot and all create, I think that compensates a little bit, and you still don't lose a lot on defense. And so I think the way the Jazz see it, they have a system. Um, both offensively and defensively, that allow for a non-shooting big. W- because they've been able to create lots of um, pick-and-roll movements in the offense, whether it's from the wing on Joe Ingles um, or just at the beginning of a set. Um, they have created their offense around that. And so I think they're capable of doing that because of what's put in place. Whereas a team like Houston... Um, they just kind of run and gun, and they don't necessarily slow it slow it up very much. Mm-hmm. I will say, bringing in favors will help us against the Nuggets tremendously. 
Jokic torched whoever it was guarding him. That wasn't Rudy. Torched him. Yeah, I agree. I think it's also going to help us against the Lakers. So, uh, you know, with Anthony Davis and, and those. Yeah, it allows you to not have Rudy Gobert guard Anthony Davis, which is huge. So, those were the two Western Conference Finals teams. And it's very clear to me that we are valuing that. Now, the now the interesting thing is we also signed Jordan Clarkson. Four years, $52 million, which is the same he was making annually when we traded for him. Not a very Quinn Snyder, Utah Jazz type player when we traded for him. He kind of made some con- concessions. Is that the right word? He, he made some sacrifices... And Quinn made some sacrifices, and they kind of met in the middle. And he fit in the locker room. And the Jazz were very optimistic. I was exactly what we needed. I will stand on the corner of I'm I'm a very I'm a skeptic of Jordan Clarkson on this team personally. I think we saw some great games from him, and we saw some really bad games from him. And one of the things, particularly in the playoffs, is he will be hunted. He will be hunted down. And especially, there's going to be some times where he takes over possessions that he shouldn't. He's going to be taking shots away from guys who probably should have more more shots. Uh, I think this is a lot of money for a sixth man whose contribution, uh, he can win you a game, he can lose you a game. And I think $13 million a year... Which is only four million dollars le- or five million dollars less than Boyan is making. I'm a little bit skeptical of that signing, and I'm, it doesn't seem like it's a very Utah Jazz signing. What do you think? Um, I'm gonna take the opposite opinion. I mean, I understand the money thing. I get that. Um, but the way you talked, I, I think you're right. He's not super efficient, but if you're looking at an efficient Jordan Clarkson, you're looking at a starter who is averaging 20 a game. And, um, but, but that's 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 what I'm saying is he's not always like yeah. But he, you can you can, you're okay with that if if you're if if he's your bench player, you're not relying on him to score 20 a game every night. And that's and I mean you saw that even with the with the Jazz's past season is. He really helps on those nights where he has 28 or... I mean, even in that game we lost mm-hmm. to Denver where he just... He keeps you in games. If anything, that's what you're looking for. And that's what was huge is... I remember, you know, at the beginning of the year, you'd look at the box score and it's like, oh, our bench had, you know, 20 points tonight total. Mm-hmm. And then it was Jordan's first game back. It's like, okay, our bench, our bench points just doubled. And so... Um, yeah, he may not be efficient, but I like it because he's a gunner, and off the bench, that's what we needed, and I think that's yeah. still what we need. And I mean, he in the playoffs. I mean, the thing is, he tries hard. He's fast, and he he tries on defense, which is a lot better than what a lot some yes. some other people in the league can say. So, well, I will say, and the thing I like about him is he is. He has a short short term memory, but he's not a jerk about it. He so he's not he doesn't have character issues. 
He just is a gunner looking. He's just wired to score. But it's not really from a selfish point of view from my interpretation. I, I really do think he has a team desire, ultimately positive, a positive outcome for the team in mind when he's going for it. He just thinks he can go for it. And, and that sometimes that helps us win and sometimes that helps us lose. I personally... I, I was interested to see who else would have been giving him that kind of money. But ultimately, like you said, he can win you a game, potentially help you lose a game, but he's not like anyone else we have on our bench. Yeah. For all we know, he could just be our... He could be like our replacement Donovan Mitchell when Don's not in the game or when Don has a bad game and we need someone to get 50, you know? Yeah. No one else is no one else really on our bench in the past what decade has been able to really score at the level he can. And I do think if we can balance it out with some guys that maybe move the ball a little bit more and make the right passes and defend if we can have that around him, I think ultimately it's a good signing. Yeah, and that sounds like Royce O'Neal, so yes, there you go. Yes, but another big thing that the Jazz have yet to help, uh, our perimeter defense is has not. We have not fixed that problem from my perspective. We have not brought in a defensive, a guy who really can guard, you can throw on Jamal Murray, which... Maybe, maybe, for all we know, that Jamal Murray playoffs, maybe that was just the ultimate outlier. But ultimately, we couldn't guard him. Donovan couldn't guard him. Conley couldn't guard him. Royce did okay for some stretches, but ultimately, Murray was on fire and we didn't know what to do. Yeah, and I, I agree. But I also, I mean, that where that's where, I mean, you kind of have the in Dennis we trust motto. Um Sounds like Morgan and Oni, they're very happy with the growth that they've made even in this off season. Um, and I think to answer that question, Oni is a player that we can add as a wing defender. Um, he's long and athletic, and I think he fits the mold. I mean, I would like him to be maybe a little taller, but that's where Juwan Morgan comes in. I'm not sure how elite of a defender he can be on the perimeter, but... I think there comes a point with with having all of these guys that were rookies last year, there comes a point where you got to start using the cash. Mm-hmm. So you're paying them money, and you would like to see some production from that money. Um, because then there, there comes a time where you got to part ways with someone if they are taking up unused money, so to speak. So I think it's awesome. If, if me and Oni, if we can give him... A look, I would like to see Morgan play a lot more as well. Um, I think he fits better at the four. And so having Derek at the five in that second unit, I think, will be great for him. You saw his capabilities as a four against Denver. Um, And, yes, he was able to play the five, but I really like him at the four. All right, so here's a question. Is Jawan Morgan the starting power forward come... December 22nd. Is that when our first game is? December. But absolutely not. You don't think so? So uh, what's our starting lineup going into the season? Uh, I think that we will, you know, our, the, it's going to be the same starting lineup in my opinion. I think you it's going to be Mike, Donovan, Royce, Boyan, and Rudy. 
Okay. Um, but and then off the bench we have Clarkson, Favors, Nying, Nying, Morgan, and Oni. So those you think that's going to be our rotation right there? Yeah. So is Nying's rotation spot threatened? I think if Morgan plays well, it's threatened because the only thing that's keeping Nying in the lineup that he has on Morgan is his shooting ability. Mm -hmm. And if Morgan has improved his shooting in in the slightest, I mean, maybe not in the slightest, but if he's improved it, he does so many things better than Nying on the defensive end, and he's just so versatile Mm -hmm. that... If he's able to shoot, I don't see Niang getting a lot of time. So, I've made this clear. People probably won't remember my take on, on Niang. He is, I personally think he is uh, forward Howell Neto, where you don't want him in your rotation, but you don't want him out of your rotation. Like, you know, you don't want to miss that good night he has. So, I think, personally, I think he's the fringe rotation player that you feel comfortable playing when there's an injury. Um, Where do we stand with this bench? Because last year we had depth problems for sure. Our bench looks great. You think so? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Derek Derek changes everything. But back to the point of because we do kind of want to – maybe I'm just – I'm trying to get to the point of do we want Ingles and Boyan to play on the the floor at the same time? Oh, the question of all questions. Um, I don't think you can play them together for very long. I mean, it also I think depends on where they're playing. I could like I would feel better with them playing a two-three combo rather than a three-four combo. So if you surround them with athletic players. It's also matchup dependent. Yeah. I mean, I think if you surround them with athletic players, that's the key. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I feel better if you have those two and, like, a Donovan Mitchell and a Jordan Clarkson. But I just, I don't know. There, There's only so much non-athleticism that can go around. Not that Boyan isn't. I think Boyan's underestimated um, in that sense. But... I mean, I I mean I think you can, but I don't think it's something that you play fifteen to twenty minutes a night. Well, so do we? First of all, do we want Joe to come off the bench at this point? Do you want Joe to come off the bench? Absolutely, because we do know his connection with favors, and we feel a little bit more comfortable on both sides of the ball when he has a favors or a Rudy to help him. Really, on both sides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Now back to that. I want. I, I. I. My prediction is. I think Jawan Morgan's going to start in a month. I would love that. I would absolutely love if Jawan Morgan started. So, like I read in that article that you were telling me about too, he's eating healthy for the first time in his life. That's <laughs> that's an accomplishment. Very few people can say that. Yeah, but I think this. Uh, there's this underlying theme with the front office change that happened last offseason is that we are doing something different because as we know the Jazz are great finding rotation players out of 
no, nobody's. Mm-hmm. Look at Joe Ingles. You look at Royce O'Neal. But we kind of mess up the big picks. Dante Exum, yeah. Ennis Cantor. Tony, I mean, not a big pick, but kind of higher grade draft picks. Tony Bradley, for example. Yeah. Um, but we're, gr- like, among the best in the league, I think, at finding guys out of nothing. And we're seeing a more aggressive play with finding those guys. And we did it last off season, And we're just saying, let's just find the guys we like. And if they hit, they hit. And they, if they don't, let's get them out of here. And Jawan Morgan is that guy. Mieoni's that guy. I think Jarrell Brantley could be that guy. Maybe not this season. But he's almost yeah. there. He, I think what's hard for him is he has so many things that he's good at. The difference between him and those two is... And what the Jazz are really great at... Um, to be an NBA player, you need to have kind of a specialty. You need to you need to be elite in a certain aspect, right? Royce O'Neal is a three and D floor spacer. He can shoot the ball well, but he's a he's a great defender. He's aggressive. He he's great. He's a great defender. Um, Brantley just is you know he's good at most things, but there isn't something I would I would point at Brantley and say that he's Alita, and I think... Well, when he locked down DeRozan in the bubble, I was I was buying stock. Yeah, there's potential there. I, sure. I mean, I was calling him the next Draymond Green. Like, I was all in. Uh, he can't... Like, he is... Hopefully he progresses more, and hopefully, you know, I think he could be that, you know, future... I think he could replace Niang eventually uh, in that little role. But it makes, it makes you think, all right... What are we doing on the fringes that is really help? It's really helped us, you know, get to this point of where we're at. Yeah, and you know whose role Brantley? I see taking more. I see. See, I think Morgan is closer to Niang. I would look at Brantley, and I am probably going to get a lot of crap for this. Well, we don't have any listeners, so you won't. <laughs> but I would. I would. Compare him closer to Joe Ingles. Brantley? Yeah. Because if you watch the way he brings the ball up the floor, he's 6'5", but he can play the four. That's that's he's, what you want. He's a nowadays. wing that can bring the ball up the floor. And, I mean, I wouldn't say he's necessarily a playmaker, right? Um, I wouldn't say that he is he's not nearly as good of a passer. So, But what I have in mind and what my thought process is there is that it enables... Um, you know, I think Joe will be retired after next year. What? Well, after his extension, he extended. I think he won't sign another contract. Really? And he's well. So he has one more year after this. Really? They extended, and it was a fourteen million dollar contract, which I love the man to death, Sheesh. but I don't think he's worth fourteen million. Thanks. And it's been I four years already. That. Yeah. Wow. He's a stud. Wow, that's on unri- that's unreal, and. He, I mean, what, travel's locked down from here to Australia, right? He can't go back. Well, it's, I mean, it's two years. I know, I'm know, just saying, two I'm seasons. just... I've got two seasons left. Who, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, but I, I, I would compare more to that, and I could see him taking on that role as like a wing... A point forward. Yeah, a point forward. Not necessarily that he has to, because Donovan will have the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, I can envision those spots that they're going to be in. And, 
you know, having Oni alongside Royce in defending. I, see, I just, I think it's awesome. And I think we have a solid, solid um, second unit and bench. Like, mm -hmm. I'm looking and I'm like, like a guy like Rajon Tucker who I just like cheer for. I don't know why, but well, I he's, do. He's an athletic freak. He's, I, yeah, I just want him to do something way cool. Mm -hmm. Well, but he might not even, he might not even land on the 15th roster. Well, the interesting thing. Um, after the Raptors won the championship, they I think the Jazz front office saw something. And the Raptors invested in young guys to eventually be rotation players, and it helped them a lot. And I think the Jazz are doing that same exact thing where they are investing in young guys to eventually become rotation players. Yeah, I mean, it, it also is helpful that we didn't have a first round, right? And so the idea of having... You, I mean, we have five rookies, and the idea of, you know, if one and if one pans out, then you know, mm -hmm. that is helpful, and that might calmly trade. You don't lose that much. Mm -hmm. Now, now that we've talked about everything but the franchise cornerstones, because if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a big enough fan to know who our franchise cornerstones and it's Rudy and Donovan. Uh, De'Aaron Fox yesterday signed a max extension for five years, 163, and it could be super max if he makes all NBA teams. Does Donovan get that contract too? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think Fox's contract ended up being, I think it was it 33 a year, 30 a year. Um, I would expect Donovan's to be around there, maybe more. I'm actually not sure how that necessarily works. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think we get Donovan's done first. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I have been, like, I'm always one to be intrigued by trades. And I just, I have, I hold Rudy Gobert's value higher than most. And I think the Jazz front office does as well. But at the same time... The thought of him, like, if, if you don't come to a negotiation with that, um, having Derek Favors and Doke, Udoka, our, our draft pick, I feel a little bit better about that. Like, you, I mean, when you look at all those trades that people were making because there's nothing better to do with Rudy Gobert and the Boston and the Nets and all these different trades... In Dallas, that was one that came out recently that Zach Lowe talked about. But, I mean, for me, with all those trades, I was always left like, wow, we just, but we, we don't, we wouldn't have a big, right? But, I mean, now, you know, like, I, don't get me wrong, I don't want to trade Rudy Gobert, but if it were to happen, I think I would be a little less, like, panicky and freaked out. Mm hmm So... Trading Gobert, I think that's off the table, though. I don't think no, ownership it will be. I don't think ownership wants it. I don't think the front office wants it because we've seen that. Oh no, they don't. That the only way that happens is if Rudy is just commands. You know, I, I like if I'm the Jazz, I don't think I pay him more than like thirty three. Maybe like thirty five is like a huge stretch in my eyes. So you're you wouldn't pay him the max, is what you're saying? No, no, because of. Let's just say in an alternate universe, no coronavirus, he doesn't... I mean, 
I I think it's no secret that uh, how do I say this? The love of for Rudy went down dramatically. Oh yeah, when he got Cron- I mean, Coronas or Corona. <laughs> I think that helped the Jazz's case in the sense that you can kind of dangle that out in front of Rudy Gobert. And, um, I mean, maybe that reduces his price. Well, as he's we've talked about in the world. a couple times on this podcast, center's value is very low. Yeah. I don't... Here's the, but Also, at the same time, there's always a team that wants another star, and maybe Rudy could be that star for them. I if I, I if I had to bet on it, we don't give him the Supermax because that's a terrible idea. But I bet we give him just the regular Max. I think so, too. What is that, round 35? I think so. I think so. Um, but ultimately what it comes down to is now the priority for the Jazz is Rudy and Donovan. And I think if I... I think really the tricky part is, particularly with Rudy, is I think... <sighs> I don't want to sound like a jerk about this. Speak your mind. But we are not going to win a championship with Rudy if he is getting paid like if he's getting paid the max. That's just that's there's going to there's just going to have I think it's like the Raptors with DeRozan, but I think he's better than DeRozan by like a lot. It, but it, I think it's like that. Where we have a high floor, but I don't see our ceiling going anywhere without some insane improvement from everyone else. Um, but it makes me wonder, you know, with new ownership, it it felt like with our old ownership, it was very much kind of conservative, not very. really... Just wanted to, you know, get in the playoffs, be a five seed potentially. They never wanted to tank, you know, and none of that stuff. But now it feels like something's changed within our mentality, what we're really going for. A lot more aggressive. Much more aggressive. Potentially paying the tax, which I don't think we've ever done. Yeah, and I think, I mean, when you look at that, though, they don't have to pay the tax till the end of the year. Yeah, that's right? true. Right, which is something that I actually didn't know until... A couple days ago. So, in reality, the result of a... I mean, there's... I, I don't think there's a very high chance we end up being in the tax. If if it's... Well, I think we're over by, what, $3 million? Yeah, something like that. So, I think we'll... I mean, I would assume... I would assume you find a way... Yeah, they'll find a way out of it. To, to get under, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, they'll be fine. I, I think, though... There was so much hype going into the last offseason. There is not that same amount of hype at all. Mostly because there are other things going on, I, I think. And when there's just this free agency is just not a stacked. I mean, I remember last year, I mean, we had I mean it was notification after notification the first thirty minutes. It seemed mm-hmm. like everyone had already done their deals. And this one was a lot slower. Yeah. Like I'm I feel like I mean, we had to figure out the Jordan Clarkson thing, but it sounds like the Derek Favors thing was pretty straightforward and already figured out, and that was an hour and a half after it started, which hindsight was really fast, but compared to last year, I mean, more than 
75% of the free agents would have been gone by then. Yeah, uh, what I'm saying, though, is that I think... Do, basically, do you think... what? How many games did we win last year? Like, Well, we didn't actually play 82. Never mind. But do we get past that 4-5 or five seed? Can we be a top 3 seed in the West next year? Yes. I think this Derek Ferris thing, if anything, increases your winning in the regular season by a bigger margin than people would expect, I think. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, next, probably the last thing to talk about, Conley and Joe Ingles. Both of those guys are a bit old. Conley last year was uh, almost a disaster. Uh, it he wasn't quite bad enough to make for it to be a complete disaster, but it was close. It was really close. He all like was really scared. What can we expect from Conley and Joe Ingles, who also struggled a bit? See, I would expect Conley to be a lot better. Um. Point guard is arguably the hardest position in the NBA because you're running an offense, and the Jazz are known for having a very complex um, offense. And I think there's a lot of differences, right? I mean, he's, he's playing in Memphis. When he's running the pick and, pick and roll with Marcus Saul, they were there's a lot of pick and pop. You know, he Marcus Saul's not a huge lob threat, and so he kind of had to. Little little things like that are really hard to to adapt to, and I think you could tell by the end of the season that he was very well adapted. I expect Mike to play, um, leave kind of kind of start where he left off in the playoffs really well. I think the Jazz also found how to play him and Donovan together rotationally, and have Mike kind of run the second unit. Um, I think. Mike and Joe can still figure out a little better. They they still are a little passive when each other. They kind of revert to the other person when they're on the court together. But I think there's something to say that should be said about the continuity of these guys. I know I'm going off a tangent um, just, just a little bit. But I think having a guy like Mike in his second year here is going to be a lot bigger than people might think, and that's going to be overlooked. Um, having the players that we do... And the continuity is going to be absolutely huge, in my opinion. So, you kind of talked about it a little bit. But Mike Conley, there was no one else that could create their own shot in Memphis. Mike Conley was on that team where he was basically the only one that could create. Then he went from a team where we had Donovan, Boyan, Joe... And then you had to feed Rudy, too. And I don't think he was comfortable with that. Plus, as we always know, there was that quote last year. And they said, uh, Conley and Moutier said, you need a PhD to run this offense. I thought that was kind of interesting. And I think it really speaks to how difficult it is being really the point guard or just the playmaker uh, in in the Quinn Snyder offense. We've seen it. We haven't. I, I think we've yet to see it. The only successful case was George Hill, but we've we've yet to see a successful uh, point guard acquisition uh, in this Quinn Snyder offense. I think personally, I mean, Ricky had his moments, but he was just inconsistent. He never he never lasted. George Hill was the only success story. I think Mike Conley. Kind of similar to Ricky, 
in that, um, well, I think it's fair to point out that Conley was starting to get going, and then the pandemic hit, and the season was canceled. Yeah, and it didn't help he got, he was hurt. And he was hurt. Um, I think he'll, he'll bounce back. Uh, I think the real concern with him is defense. He's, he is just not the same defender he was. And uh, we need to find another perimeter defender, I think, personally. Um, let's end on that. Uh, what what other names, what other veterans should we bring in, do you think, that you like? Are we ending on that? Yes, on that. Oh, man. I don't know. I... It's a good question. I mean, I, I anything we anybody bring in, we bring on the vet men, and that's the thing is I don't really know who who'd be willing to do that. I think if you want to talk about perimeter defense, um, one of the guards that really intrigues me, he's older, um, is Brad Wanamaker mm. from Boston. Oh. Personally, if you could get him for the vet men, I would love that. I mean, Shaq Harrison's a younger guy. I just, there's a lot of, I just don't think financially there's a lot of guys you can actually bring in that yeah. that really um, move the, the meter, so to speak. The needle, yeah. The, move, yeah, move, move the needle enough to, like, have it be worth it. So are we just, just going to split up playmakers to Conley, Joe, Donovan? Is that kind of going to be it? Jordan. Yeah, he can't really create for others the same yeah, way. Right. I guess you're right. Three. Playmakers, yeah, those three. Yeah. And then you got Boyan and Jordan as your scores. So I, Royce and Oni and So is this the Nigel Williams Goss here? Are we ready for Nigel Williams Goss to finally show up? I think Trent beats him out. Trent? For the the Trent Forrest guy. Oh, Forrest the two way contract guy? Yeah. Oh yeah. Alright. There, we'll we'll end on that. The two-way contract versus the Trent Forrest versus Nigel Williams. Go look up his videos. This is the All That Jazz podcast where we talk about everything, everything to the point where it it might be boring for some. Your head might be spinning. We've gone back and forth like a pinball machine. But listen, if you like the stuff that we like, like kind of useless conversation about the who the thirteenth man's going to be, this is the podcast for you. We apologize for our hiatus. Uh, we are coming back weekly. Um, follow us on Twitter. Give us a five-star review. We will read it at the beginning of the show. We'll mention you by name or not by name if or your username or whatever. This is the All That Jazz Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.